understand who the Rakata were, one must first learn about their spiritual progenitors. Long before the days of the Jedi or the Sith, when no galactic republic existed, there stood among the stars a galaxy-spanning people who were called the Kwa. These blue-skinned, three-meter-tall, bipedal reptilians were a peaceful and benevolent society, a rarity indeed among spacefaring species. They hailed from the planet of Dathomir, millennia prior to the Dathomirians being the planet's dominant peoples. The Kwa were born with innate telepathy, and this was often their most common mode of communication. They also had a natural ability to wield the Force. They occupied the outer rim of the galaxy in a region that was called Kwa Holdings at the time of their empire. The Kwa were able to spread their civilization through the use of a device called an Infinity Gate. Infinity Gates were a rapid teleportation technology that, when activated, could transport any user or object instantly from point A to B. With each new Infinity Gate that was built, the network of gates made it easier to establish a presence on distant planets. During this ancient time, it was common to make technologies that could only be powered by the Force, or the power of the cosmos as the Qua referred to it. Infinity Gates were no exception. It could only be activated via the Force. The Qua themselves were primarily interested in exploration, technological advancement, and philosophical enlightenment. They encountered many species in their journeys, attempted to make contact with them, and share with them the power of the cosmos. This, however, would ultimately lead to their decline and downfall. It was on a fateful day when they encountered the highly forced adept, yet primeval species called the Rakata on the planet of Lehan. It was the Rakata who would eventually learn the secrets of the Force and technology from the Qua, and through brute strength and violence, would ultimately displace the Qua as a galactic hegemon. After the Qua's decline, they retreated back to their homeworld of Dathomir, and would eventually devolve into a primitive people known called the Kui. Infinite Empire. The Rakata were an amphibian-like humanoid species, with cone-shaped heads and extruding eyes. They were a warrior race with a propensity for violence. Some even speculate the reason they remained primitive for so long is because they were constantly in a state of inter-tribal warfare 
and never could enter an industrial age because there were no prolonged eras of peace to be productive and expand their economy. The planet of origin, Lehan, was a tropical, temperate island world, which is possibly the reason why the Rakata had an amphibian physiology, as they most likely evolved from the ocean to the land, becoming a primarily terrestrial species. Lehan would later be called Rakata Prime, and was the capital of the infinite empire during its zenith. Like many sentients throughout the galaxy, the Rakata were highly sensitive in the Force, and this is what drew the Qua to seek them out. When the Qua discovered the Rakata, they began a project to teach these primitive peoples the ways of the Force, science, and philosophy. Perhaps when the Qua met this unlearned people, they largely ignored their warlike ways, attributing it to their lack of knowledge, hoping that it could be trained out of them. This, however, was not the case. The Rakata's lust for power was insatiable, and they simply viewed their advanced benefactors as a means to an end. Rakata society had many practices which deeply offended the Kwa's sensibility, not the least of which was cannibalism and a rapacious desire to wield the dark side of the Force. Before long, indeed when it was too late, the Kwa realized the monster which they had unleashed on the galaxy. The once backwards race learned how to harness advanced technologies and become powerful force users, ultimately displacing the Qua, forcing them to retreat back to Dathomir, whilst destroying their own infinity gates on the way. Now that the gates were destroyed, the Rakata needed a method of travel which would help them fulfill their galactic ambitions. Using concepts from the Infinity Gates, they developed the first known hyperdrive technology. And like the Qua's instant travel devices, these hyperdrives could only be activated through the use of the Force. This kicked off the dawn of the Infinite Empire. Now armed with a fleet of hyperspace-capable vessels, the Rakata began a long campaign of conquest and subjugation. Lehan was renamed Rakata Prime and would serve as the home base and capital of the Infinite Empire, becoming a galactic trade hub, not unlike Coruscant in the modern era. The techno-military capabilities of the Empire seemed to have no limits and its innovations were endless, culminating in, a, in the dreaded mobile armament facility, the Star Forge. This superweapon was a scientific marvel and a blight upon the galaxy. It was capable of mass producing a standing army in a very short period of time, harnessing energy from local stars. The Star Forge, like Rakata Hyperdrive Tech, was also enchanted with the dark side of the Force. The vessel was designed to be automated using a form of artificial intelligence 
and has even been described as semi-sentient. The combination of intelligence and the dark side had a significant effect on the Rakata who used it, heightening their already cruel and aggressive nature. Much of their technology had built-in self-repair systems, which is why they did not decay and survived to be fully functional for thousands of years, and the Starforge was no exception. The Starforge is more than just a space station. In some ways, it is like a living creature. It hungers, and it can feed on the dark side that is within all of us. Quote Darth Malak. With the use of a massive army and the Starforge, they expanded their empire to over 500 planets during their reign specifically targeting forest-rich worlds to conquer. The Rakata preferred enslaving species who had some force aptitude, and this strategy was twofold. On the one hand, much of their tech required the use of the force, so non-force users were of no value. Also, societies who could wield the force were often much likelier to become powerful and challenged the empire's hegemony. Keeping them suppressed eliminated this possibility. The Rakata boasted 10 billion warriors and 1 trillion slaves, many of whom hailed from well-known planets today like Coruscant, Kashyyyk, Dathomir, and Tatooine. They were despotic and ruled with an iron fist, exacting merciless revenge on any who opposed them. They eventually even hunted down their claw forebears, finding them on Dathomir. Still bitter about the destruction of the Infinity Gates, the Rakata hunted the claw and led them to near extinction. The massacre was so complete, the claw devolved into the illiterate species known today as the Kui, a shadow of their past selves. The Decline Over 10,000 years of dominance and holding the galaxy by its throat, the Infinite Empire would eventually meet an inglorious demise. The beginning of the end was the Rakadin Civil War, a brutal era which lasted nearly 5,000 years. The Empire was no mere acquaintance to the internal strife as subterfuge, backstabbing, and power plays were common among the elites. This, coupled with their dark side fueled thirst for power, made the entire society a powder keg. The very fact that they thrived as long as they did is nothing short of a miracle. Along with the political turmoil, were widespread revolts from the slave species. Keeping their vassal states in check was a logistical nightmare. The Rakata's inability to unite and their Praetor's unwillingness to accept the legitimacy of any single leader led to one assassination after another. Splintering the empire into warring factions, compromise or humility was a complete non-starter. 
even the might of the Starforge could no longer hold this shaky alliance of ambitious warlords together. But the final nail in the coffin was not a coup d'etat, nor a slave rebellion. Indeed, it was a mysterious and highly contagious plague that affected only the Rakata. From the records that are available, it is unclear how the disease may or may not have damaged them physically. What is clear, however, is that it severed their connection to the Force. The Rakata had built their entire society, most of their technology in fact, around the use of the Force. To power and activate their weapons and presumably their industries of agriculture, manufacturing, mining, and so forth, they required the Force. In a way, their reliance on the Force was their greatest strength and their own undoing. As soon as it was realized that they could no longer wield it, there were no doubt massive uprisings from the subjugated peoples, toppling the empire with relative ease. No one truly knows how long it took for the final collapse to conclude. Presumably, it was very rapid. One unsubstantiated theory about the Rakadin plague is that it was an engineered bioweapon, perhaps developed by the Celestials, who saw the infinite empire's growth as an existential threat to the galaxy. Or maybe it was a rebel vassal state who had unearthed the secrets of Rakadin biology. Whatever the case may be, what is clear is that the disease was swift and complete, quite literally sending them back to the Stone Age. As the plague made its way through the Rakatan population, they eventually retreated back to their homeworld of Lehan. And, not unlike their progenitors the Qua, they had a social de-evolution, reverting to a primitive, tribal peoples in an ironic event of cosmic justice. Indeed, their reign of terror had left its mark on the galaxy, which would be felt for millennia to come. There was, however, a few hundred years where the gal galaxy lacked any sort of superpower. The Hutt Empire was the biggest player during this period, but even they were relatively small in comparison, and their reach was fairly limited. But soon enough, there would be a loose alliance of planets and systems who would eventually band together to form the Galactic Republic in the wake of the power vacuum left by the Infinite Empire. Though their dominance had come to an end, their technology would play a pivotal role in a future epoch. The Rakata had left remnants of their culture scattered throughout the stars. And as previously mentioned, much of their technology had the ability to self-repair and was operated by a form of artificial intelligence. Not the least of these were the star maps and the star forge. Nearly 20,000 years after the fall of the infinite empire, the Galactic Republic had become a stagnant government, stuck in an economic malaise and constantly fighting enemies from within and without. Two such adversaries were the rogue Jedi Knights, Revan and Malak, 
who had disobeyed the wishes of the Jedi Council and joined the Republic in the fight against the Mandalorians during the Mandalorian Wars. After the war had concluded, Revan and Malak mysteriously disappeared into the unknown region of space where the Republic had no presence. Years after their disappearance, Revan and Malak re-emerged and had fully surrendered to the dark side of the Force, as well as amassed an unrivaled military hell-bent on toppling the Galactic Republic, igniting the Jedi Civil War. The Republic was caught completely off guard and nearly collapsed in the chaos. It later became apparent that Revan and Malak had found the Rakatan homeworld of Lehan, which still had a substantial population of Rakata occupying the planet. But more importantly than the people they discovered was their now-abandoned mobile mass production facility, the Star Forge, fully intact and operational. Within a few short years, the Dark Lords were able to produce an army that could rival the Republic, staging an all-out war against them. Eventually, the Republic was able to gain the upper hand and ultimately destroyed the Star Forge, ending the Jedi Civil War. Not much was understood about the Rakata at the time. They were colloquially referred to as the Builders, What little information was known is that they had built a number of ancient ruins throughout Republic space, and they had enslaved many species in antiquity. It was also conjectured that they had invented hyperspace technology, though some historians dispute this claim. At the conclusion of the Jedi Civil War, and thanks to Revan and Malak, Much more was uncovered about the Infinite Empire and the role they played in the trajectory of galactic history, and that they were an integral part of the stories of many species, including the Wookiees, humans, the Manan, the Sith species, and the Twi'leks, among others. It was discovered that the conflict between the Rakata and the Tythonians called the Force Wars was ultimately what led to the formation of the Jedi. To this day, the Rakata remain one of the most important topics of study in the discipline of xenoanthropology and planetary archaeology. Thanks for flying with us. Jordan here. Just wanted to let everyone know what's happening here at the Star Lords podcast. Star Lords is now on Discord. If you would like to join the Star Lords Cantina Discord server, you can find a link in the description or on any of our social media accounts. Reach out with a DM or email. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching the Star Lores podcast. Go ahead and give our page a like and send us a message. You can also email at starlorespodcast at gmail.com. Send us your fan art, Star Wars collections, or fan fictions, and you may even get a feature on one of our pages or even the show. 
Don't be afraid to offer corrections or add to any of the topics that we discuss on the show. We are also on Patreon, so if you want to help us pay the bills, as well as get a few awesome perks like bonus episodes, access to the private Facebook group, or the VIP section of the Discord server, head on over to patreon.com forward slash starlores and sign up for as little as one US dollar a month. And finally, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcatcher app or YouTube, as well as sending us a five-star review on iTunes. This really helps us reach a wider audience. Enjoy the rest of the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Star Wars podcast. Um, This is Christian. This is Jordan. And uh, we find ourselves now lounging on the beautiful beaches of Lehan, enjoying the nice sandy beaches, coastal views, ancient temples, and hostile natives. Indeed. (laughs) It is... uh, it is now a tourist trap and resort world. <laughs> Despite the dark side energy yeah, constantly yeah. <laughs> emanating from the ruins. Yeah, there's just a few islands you got to stay steer clear of. <laughs> but otherwise, you it's probably great, won't get eaten. Yeah. Probably. It's a beautiful place. Anyway, so <clears throat> today we're discussing the infinite empire, the builders, the Rakata, uh, <clears throat> the sort of the progenitors the precursors to the Galactic Republic. Um, first of all, Christian, what's your overall thoughts of about the Rakata? What do you think about them? Um, they, I think, are supposed to represent like a violent, conquestual-type species um, with very few redeeming qualities. <laughs> There's nothing ever good said about them. They're steeped in dark side energy. They're like cannibalistic. They're ravenous. Yeah. Um, I know it's true. There's like nothing uh, redeemable. However, <clears throat> um, I will say that there were, there was some like comic books written about them. And I, this is just a very brief uh, summary overview of what I understood about them, that there were actually some uh, Rakata who, sort of deviated from what the empire had done and they yeah. actually uh tried to stop uh, when the empire had like finally declined there were there was actually a very short window of time where the rakata tried to reignite their empire okay uh and and some rakata were good guys i guess and they stopped it and they were like reformists yeah, yeah they were like reformed <laughs> rakata and they were like no we're not doing that again <laughs> Uh, anyways, um, it, uh, you guys will have to, the listeners will have to look that up themselves and, and read about it. Kind of sounds like an interesting story actually. Uh, but, um, they, they sort of kiboshed a resurgence of the Rakata. Uh, in any case, um, let's just talk about a few things. So, uh, like the infinity gates, when the infinity infinity gates are first introduced, they're sort of introduced as like a very unique and novel technology. But I think maybe some writers, <laughs> this, this is kind of the problem with Star, Star yeah. a lot of Star Wars stuff is like authors always want to go further back and further back in time, and yeah, so they, <laughs> someone is like, explaining someone else's thing yeah. all the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So infinity gates um, allegedly are actually not the first of their types there's a there's a species called the gree 
and their empire was a hundred thousand years prior to uh the battle of yavin and (laughs) they uh uh they use this technology called hypergates and they were essentially like a black hole or wormhole and they would send their ships through it and um you know that then that's they how could, they manage interstellar travel yeah that's how they were able to and the gree were sort of like uh they weren't a humanoid species they were um if i remember the pictures correctly they're almost squid like they have like uh tentacles um so kind of interesting uh but the infinity gates that the qua used were sort of a more refined version of that and uh, again, I've mentioned this before in previous episodes, but just uh, Stargate, if anyone's familiar yeah, with, with, the with this, this, the science fiction property of Stargate, it's that's basically what an Infinity They even game. look very they, similar. They look <laughs> exactly the same. <laughs> the cool thing about Star Wars sometimes is they like have a little bit of every other sci-fi yeah. <laughs> enmeshed in it. So they're yeah. like, oh, this is a cool concept. We're just going to lift it and insert it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and then they sort of like use that the 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 way it was explained in um uh dawn of the jedi is like the ricotta sort of and i don't know if i i sorry let me just backtrack a little bit here i don't know if i was totally clear but the 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 qua when they were um overthrown by the ricotta they retreated back to dathomir and on their way back they were destroying their infinity gates to stop the Rakata from quickly spreading across the galaxy, right? Because if the Rakata could use their gates, then they have uh, unfettered access. Yeah, they would have they would have conquered the galaxy in no time, right? So the the Qua, like by the time they had realized how dangerous the Rakata were, they were like they were in panic mode and destroying all their infinity gates. Um, but in any case, the uh, what the what limited knowledge the ricotta had of these infinity gates they they use this like similar technology to develop hyperdrives i was reading a little bit um uh it is it is in a lot of different star wars properties it's sort of said it's claimed that the ricotta invented hyperdrive technology but then other property or other stories actually uh, contradict that information. Yeah. So I would just say people, you know, look it up and and decide for yourself if the Ricotta, in fact, did invent hyperdrive technology. Um, neither here nor there, but just uh, a thought. Uh, the other sort of interesting uh, part of the Ricotta Infinite Empire and the Qua as well is it does get um, it is almost more fantasy you know we're getting into like space fantasy type of stuff because all the technology it was either like uh you had to use the force in order to use the tech or it was um enchanted by the force so it's a very fantasy like you know where like weapons and armor is enchanted by magic yeah uh, it, 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 there is like sort of that element um with uh the ricotta and the claw you know so uh, kind of interesting more fantastical yeah yeah um it, it's not like in in the modern era you know you don't really need the force to, to operate as to ship. operate anything yeah. really yeah um 
I mean, I'm sure you could use the force to augment certain things, right? But uh, it, it's just not a necessary component of, yeah. of anything in sort of modern era. I kind of like the contrast between a galaxy that's run on the force and a galaxy that can kind of survive without the force. Like yeah. it's almost like a secular galaxy, I guess I could say. It's true, yeah. yeah. And you can contrast like, yeah, the modern era of Star Wars, whatever era that might be to you, yeah. to this ancient mystical time. Yeah. And uh, I've said this in the past too. I, I do like how um, everything from the aesthetic to like the technology, you know, the the people who wrote sort of the Dawn of the Jedi era and the Rakata Infinite Empire era, they, they did try to actually build in more contrast between the two eras so that it it wasn't just pretty much interchangeable like how yeah. knights of the old republic is with yeah, the modern you couldn't era. tell terrace from coruscant yeah, yeah exactly uh yeah the, like all the tech seems relatively the same the droids are the same like yeah. the, the weapons you know uh whereas in this sort of era there's there is an uh a uh, very noticeable difference um um <clears throat> another interesting uh factoid which we didn't really get into was the sith species the actual species of the sith that came from korriban um and i don't know if anyone knows but like they weren't always dark side users and they weren't exclusively dark side users um many of them were jedi in fact uh they they many lived on the planet uh, or in the tythonian system um yeah we but, cover them in the, our sith episode yeah in our sith episodes we've covered them but um so go back and check out those episodes uh but the uh rakata actually tried to conquer korriban while the sith uh were well they ruled that world um and the rakata actually lost they weren't able to conquer it was one of the few planets they they weren't able to subjugate um but the war was like it was very brutal and traumatizing and uh, you know, billions of people died. Um, and it is believed that this is what turned the Sith as a species uh, to the dark side. And ultimately what, what like dawned the religion was like through this very brutal uh, yeah. war that happened on the planet. It's and, almost like a, the idea that like they realize it's a hostile galaxy and only the strongest survive. And that kind of mentality was like ingrained in the, in the culture. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, in a lot of ways, like just the Rakat, I think like the, uh, the, like the, the Sith religion, if you will, for lack of a better term, <laughs> uh, is like a much more, refined and systematic and um uh uh i don't know intelligent way of using the dark side than what the ricotta had because the ricotta were just to them it was just only brute force there was no cunning or conniving or deceit or manipulation it was it was just a hammer yeah they they just ruled through brute force right and and uh, like the sith that sort of came later were much more refined than that so um uh, uh another big moment in the Rakata Infinite Empire was the Eshka War. And this was a species that it was a little earlier on, like the Rakata had already become established, but they did have a rival uh, 
that rivaled them in military might. And they were the species called the Eshka. And the Eshka uh, fought like a pretty major war with the Rakata. Uh, and it was after the defeat of the Eshka when the Rakata overcame them that the Rakata really established themselves as uh, the galactic superpower, right? Yeah. Like this was sort of the war. This was like their World War II, if you will, like the U.S., became the superpower after World War II. The the Eshkal War was was sort of the, the defining moment. Yeah, it was the defining moment that that sort of launched them into the galactic superpower that they became. And um and I from what I understand it was fairly close this war. It could have gone either way. Uh but ultimately the Rakata won out and um they they nearly sent the Eshka into extinction they they kept a few of them as like slaves and and Pets. yeah <laughs> almost as trophies you know yeah. like to to show their might and how they destroyed uh the the Eshka so yeah um just uh, again things we didn't get totally into in the scripted portion that I thought were important in in their history and just a comment on that too is like keep in mind for everyone like we're way in the past pre-republic pre-jedi and sith like yeah. there are these ancient alien ancient aliens civilizations <laughs> that, <laughs> that uh that have their holdings the galaxies divided up amongst these different groups like the qua the Gree, um the infinite empire and then like they're they have their own power struggles and eventually yeah like the infinite empire becomes like you said the hegemon yeah so yeah exactly and yeah there's even species like the celestials yeah right? predating all of them yeah. and their crazy technology <laughs> yeah like we're uh, in a really alien time of star wars totally an and actually alien time. Uh, and uh, sorry again on the hyperdrive stuff uh i think from what i've read is people think that the celestials actually gave the ricotta hyperdrive technology or helped them develop it or something um and uh i was reading even the ricotta at one point were the slaves of the celestials um but i i couldn't find any source for that i just read it on like a wikipedia page so okay uh people can source that but i thought it was kind of interesting i mean when we're talking about a time lost to the mist yeah it's true history then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Conflicting right. accounts and information, uh, and is this true? Which I almost kind of like, because because I do like I I like really ancient like uh, breaking fourth wall here, going into like real world. I do. I'm a fan of like really ancient history. That's like it's very difficult to ascertain what actually happened. Yeah, and you know, a lot of historians like there is there's sort of a consensus, a quote unquote consensus yeah. about what happened, but really it's just their best guess, right? Like there, it's very difficult to tell what exactly happened. Yeah. And I'm like fascinated with those eras because it's like it's it's so mysterious and so like like what was going on back then, you know? Yeah. Like one of my favorite. Um, uh, ancient literatures is uh, the Epic of Gilgamesh. I don't know if you've ever read it. Yeah, actually, I did a course on it in university. Oh, did you? Yeah. I I like love the Epic of Gilgamesh. I I think it's it's in a lot of ways it's like a beautiful story as well. But it, it's like it it feels so human, but at the same time, it it's so I have no context or grid for like their gods or their customs or their culture right like yeah. in the sumerian culture uh what it was like and uh so it, but it, it 
from reading the Epic of Gilgamesh, you can kind of use your imagination maybe a little bit to sort of imagine perhaps what it might have been like. But no one really knows. You know, it's all just guesswork in a lot of ways. So Yeah, and it's funny you inter- you mentioned the Epic of Gilgamesh and its ties to Star Wars and the mythological. Right, and like, yeah. You know, the Hero of a Thousand Faces yeah. and all that stuff as being the proto-story, right? So yeah, yeah, I know that. come full circle. Yeah, the Epic, uh, I know like Joseph Campbell sort of, believes that the epic of gilgamesh is is sort of a template of the hero's journey yeah i know you have i have my yeah (laughs) Yeah. go listen to our episode on that (laughs) yeah go listen to our episode on the full yeah on the hero's journey (laughs) uh but in in any case um sorry uh yeah i i think it's just it's sort of fascinating i almost i hope they in some ways i hope they keep this era of star wars like they should almost write a. This is just my like. If anyone from Star Wars or Disney <laughs> is listening to me, my suggestion is like write write small like uh, novellas or something like the Epic of Gilgamesh for the Star Wars history, but make it like super mysterious and hard, and even make like some contradictory statements stuff. on purpose. Yeah. yeah, on purpose, right? Because because that's actually how history is. There's like you can read two tablets from the same era but if they're from two different locations they like completely contradict each other right and that's kind of how history is i think that'd be cool to keep it somewhat ambiguous you know and and difficult yeah exactly keep the shroud of mystery um uh christian i'm kind of curious about your thoughts there's a lot of amphibian like creatures in the star wars galaxy (laughs) Um, there's obviously, and the, the, uh, Rakata are no exception, uh, sort of reptilian amphibian, I guess. Um, uh, but there's also the Selkath, uh, uh, which is a species they enslaved, uh, the Mon Calamari, the Gungans, the Aqualish, the Nautilans, etc. Uh, do you have, what's your feelings about like amphibian species and stars? There seems to be like, I hate them. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> there seems to be like a lot of them though. Like more than I, I kind of didn't think about it, but after doing this episode, I was like, Oh, there's actually like quite a few. Do you think it's just a trope or do you think? I think, yeah, like everything else, like you have mammalian species, you have right. human looking, like very human looking species that you can almost not tell a difference. Right. Minor one or two big features like blue skin, red eyes. Kind right. Of thing, right. Yeah. So I think it's just one of the Star Wars templates for species. And there's just so many in yeah. the universe that like I haven't done a head count of each type of species. So I wouldn't right. be able to say <laughs> they are significantly proportional. Just like if you look at any kind of animal species, you know. Yeah, we'll model this one after birds. We'll mo- model these ones after dinosaurs. Right? It's just people using real world references. Yeah. To- I know there's like apes too, like the Wookiees and yeah. the, uh, oh, that one. I can't remember the name of this. We did an episode on it in our Patreon episode. It was uh, when we reviewed we reviewed the, the first book ever written by Alan Dean Foster. I don't know if I was on that episode. Oh, oh maybe Sam did it with yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's a species that was like very Wookiee-like. Yeah, but weren't Wookiees. And you have yeah. Ewoks that are a lot like Wookiees. Yeah, Wookiees. Yeah. So again, like you could start to see those patterns. And I think that's just human, the limitations of the human mind. Right, yeah. That's why a lot of aliens also just happen to feature two eyes, a nose, and a mouth. and you know, Or they just represent like real species that we know of today. Right, you yeah. Know. Which I'm not opposed to. One, it's easy to do one with makeup and like practical effects. Yeah. Um, that's why Star Trek, same, same issue. Yeah. 
Um, but the yeah, you one, have like the bug species and then, yeah, yeah like, there, I'm not saying that there isn't diversity in that regard. And there's some weird alien species that like we have no frame of reference for and almost seem like mind bending when you get to know about them. Yeah. And again, like I appreciate both versions. I like something grounded that you can feel like a character and you can sympathize because that's sure. another factor too, right? If you have an alien that's so alien that you can't relate, it's hard to tell a story, right? Unless that's the point of the story is how alien aliens are, right? Yeah. I Well, that's that's always been my sort of assumption is that like if we ever encountered aliens in the real world, yeah, I don't think it would be very difficult to have a grid for, for what they are. They'd be so alien to yeah. us. That, There's even some theories that talk about like non-carbon based life. Right, which, right, right. Which would be so crazy. Like we wouldn't they'd be like rock like or yeah. any other material or a plasma like being right Maybe right plasma right. or some kind of energy so yeah the, the options could be limitless but also there's a counter theory that like if evolutionary um principles hold true across the entire universe then like there might be a a preferred way that life tends towards yes and that's why a lot like of species, sentient life yeah exactly yeah. why a lot of species can have those relational things like a lot of animals actually you know and that would come from the whole having a, a descendant species of a mouth and eyes two or two eyes and a nose right well, obviously you have exceptions but the vast majority are one way yeah um and then that theory would hold that like okay well on an alien world with similar factors you might come up with something that looks similar and I actually read an article recently we're totally going off script here for a minute <laughs> <Do> but <it. laughs> i read an article recently that I believe they've run a bunch of experiments and I, I guess either the crab is like the form that life tends towards. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I don't remember exactly how the article kind of played out, but it was like a crustacean seems to be like optimized for survival in like the mm. broadest areas. But yeah, going back to the whole topic of like what aliens could look like, it could be it could be something as small as like a bacteria. I really got into like microbiology recently and like it's an alien world that exists right here, right now on the surfaces of everything. Right. And yeah. like that world looks so alien. Like you, yeah. what if it just looks like a giant microbe, right? Like yeah. we, we don't know. We, but it's cool to play around with it. And like, I, again, I'm not opposed to humanoid looking aliens and, and amphibious aliens and aliens modeled after animal species that we know and relate and have like a touchstone to like tell stories through. Yeah. I, I appreciate both is ultimately I, what I'm trying I, to say. I do think I will on just on that point. I do think that whatever alien might evolve in the real world again, uh, it would have to have the ability to like build te some sort of technology to be like if it were if we were to ever encounter it or, or and the, yeah, barring like a freak incident, like an asteroid flying by that has microbial life. No, no. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm talking like more civilization. Yeah. If you it, encounter it, another civilization. Yeah. If we yeah. can't, it would have to have like some, and I don't know that that necessarily means it has to have like five digits. I'm not sure how yeah. it could evolve. Like it's probably hard to conceive it, but you know, it would have to have like some ability to make tools. And yeah. And there, like there are features again, that like opposable thumbs are a massive boon to right. like primates. Right. Yeah. So there are some things, but it could also be limited to our own experience. Yeah. Just with true. the number of possibilities out there, it could go either way. Right. We just, we don't have enough data. We have just our own reference point to go off of. Um, I'm reminded of a show on discovery channel years and years ago where they talked about like hypothetical alien life and they animated it. 
um it was almost like walking with dinosaurs but on an alien world and they like, oh, okay. played with features like well what, what if we turn up the gravity or what if you know and like they came up with some really cool interesting unique designs that is really cool and yeah I, I can't even remember what it's called but it's mm. definitely worth it. any of our listeners remember giving us a shout out and reminding me what that <laughs> show is called because i'd love to watch it again um, and it's worth watching for all our listeners also have you seen arrival yes yeah yeah uh, so even like displacement of time is, yeah yeah but that the alien depicted in arrival is like obvious it's very alien it, and to me that that's like oh it's it's not realistic because we don't know what an alien would look like but it is it, it does seem to be something that would be so different from us. It's not humanoid. It, yeah. It, and know. it even plays with interdimensional, like yeah. temporal space. <laughs> yeah. And like, can we interact with other species if they come from another dimension? Right. Right. So there, yeah, you can get crazy. You can get yeah. real crazy with yeah. this. Like I said, you could have beings of pure energy, you know, that, right. Yeah. You know, are gods to us yeah. because we just don't, we can't and fathom it. In fact, there's even us going back to Stargate here. <laughs> Cause I did watch the whole Stargate every single show uh, years ago i'm surprised we're actually not talking more about stargate <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. now um but one of the first episodes in stargate sg1 i remember it being in the first season but there's actually like an intelligent rock life form uh, of some kind which is kind of interesting like yeah. an interesting uh idea to explore you know so there's all sorts of things that you could like hypothetically go beyond yeah just the humanoid thing but also I I loved Arrival myself, and I also loved the short story. It's based off of the story of your life. It's called the story of your life, and it's like forty pages. It's pretty short, but mm. it's uh, I recommend everyone read it. It's a, it's a very it's just like a very beautiful, deep story. Yeah, you know? it's it plays with big concepts. Yeah, sure. yeah, exactly. Um, but it it's it's very big, but it's also very small because it deals with like like the death of a child, right? Like yeah, that's the, fundamentally. Yeah, what it's, it's very about. yeah. It, it, it's good it's cool in that way but um i highly recommend everybody uh check that out um christian do you have uh do you have any theories about uh, the recat and plague <laughs> personally <laughs> yeah <laughs> like um, how what wiped them out because this is one thing that's actually pretty vague in a lot of the the literature there there isn't a whole lot written about it and it seems to suggest that it was pretty quick like yeah and it's crazy because you do encounter some mercadans in kotor and they like speak like a babbling language and they're very like like it doesn't even seem like their language survived yeah like they're so detached from what they used to be yeah um i don't know maybe it was some form of covid (laughs) (laughs) it's my working theory yeah um it definitely seems like it's hard to say I want to assume, like, though it's never said anywhere, so I'm just, this is just an assumption. I want to assume that it also, like, physically killed them. Um, yeah. Uh, because their population is so much smaller uh, by the time you get to Knights of the Old Republic. Like, they're barely a, a species. Um, they are, in fact, actually not just on Lehan. There's a couple other worlds that they're still on, but they're in a similar situation where they're not spacefaring and they're yeah. uh, pretty primitive. Um, so uh, it, it, it seems to me like, I don't know how it could have been so uh, destructive if it didn't actually kill them, but 
I could just be assumed maybe they were so dependent on the, fo- the force technology yeah. stuff. I mean, I liked it. A cool idea would be like, what if we just destroyed our technology in one shot today? Solar flare carrying. Yeah. Event, yeah. Wipes right. out all our technology. What would we look like? Would we turn into stone age people again? Right. Would right. We, you know, not know, like, I don't know how to build a computer. Yeah. How long would it take to, even with all the knowledge that we had in our heads, how long would it take to rebuild? To rebuild? And yeah. all of the, all of that knowledge is like now on computers, right? So if you had a solar flare, some sort of major EMP event uh, that wiped out all the electronics on earth and like, yeah, you'd be starting from square one in a yeah. lot of ways. Can't, like communication is so integral, like yeah. all these things you would you'd not have access to, right? The wealth of human knowledge on computers and because everything is so digital, digitized now, like, yeah, yeah you'd have to, I, I, and a lot of that might be in books, but it'd be so much slower to, to, to process all that information and look for yeah. what you're looking for. Yeah. Well, it, it goes on, right? Yeah. It's a really cool, like thought experiment to play with and possible reality, yeah. but uh, <laughs> a terrifying possible yeah. reality. Uh, but yeah, I, I would think that that alone could be bad enough. Um, to, to topple an empire right, right especially yeah. intergalactic what happens when you can't communicate to your home right, home, yeah, right? you yeah. know your reinforcements you're surrounded by a slave your, species. your life support systems on your spaceships right yeah like, shut down everyone yeah. in space dead in <laughs> yeah. one shot you're, right? you're just like yeah you're completely hooped um yeah it, it's uh it seems like it whatever happened it was very very fast uh you know it yeah, you you have like kind of two empire decline stories. You have like the slow degeneration, right. like one thing after another, and then finally they just kind of like fade into history. But yeah. they had like kind of the slow decline, and others are just like very catastrophic, instantaneous. Like they were here once, Bronze Age collapse, yeah, then Bronze they're gone. Age collapse, right? Yeah. yeah, it's like comparing the Bronze Age collapse to like the Roman, the the fall of the Roman Empire, right? Which is very slow, and the Bronze Age, yeah, collapse, yeah, exactly, which is very, very rapid yeah, and yeah. Like, well. We don't know, but yeah, presumably from all our estimates, yeah, the Bronze Age collapse collapse would have been fairly rapid. Yeah, so. um, yeah, there's uh, uh, it, it is just it. I think it's kind of interesting. Um, uh, who knows what actually happened? Um, uh, last little tidbit on this episode is that there's actually some rather strange depictions of the Rakata in some Disney properties and I am glad that Disney hasn't uh, retconned the Ricada because I thought they might, but yeah. they, they haven't retconned it yet. Um, and they're there, but they don't, they haven't made any new material about it uh, except for <laughs> there's this one comic book where it's supposed to be Mon Calmari, and I looked at this f- comic frame, and it is 100% a Rakata, and I recommend everyone go look it up. It, just look up uh, Rakata Mon Calamari, and um, it, it, like, it looked... It, I don't know what... It, a lot of people speculate as to why this illustrator uh, drew this, um, but it... it it's unclear. Maybe he was like trying to lay a little Easter egg or something for people. Uh, but, but there there's, he hasn't said anything about it. And a lot of people, um, found it very strange. Yeah. Who knows? But yeah. Did you hear something? I think I did. Oh, wait. Okay. We got to get out of here. Oh, boy. <laughs>